Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate, and I'm here with the lead pastor of Grace Churches, Sung Kim. We've been hanging out in the Old Testament, and we have been looking at things that are challenging, confusing, alarming, offensive, um, as we sort of look at who is this God of the Old Testament, and is he really, as some people claim or accuse, is he vengeful, is he violent, is he misogynistic, is he racist? And we've just sort of been hammering away at these issues, and a full disclaimer, there aren't easy answers to any of these things. There are contextual variables to account for. There are things that we simply don't understand about the character of God, but we are doing our best uh, and so we've got another great topic this week. Sung, what are we looking at now? Yeah, so I think, at least for me and many people, the biggest um, maybe obstacle to the Hebrew Scriptures being palatable for us with our modern sensibilities is the command that God seems to give to Joshua or in, in, in different places mm-hmm. to completely wipe out. Yeah, uh, people, mm-hmm. women. Children, yeah, children, everything, elderly, Sheep, yeah, yeah. Like even livestock. their livestock, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like it just seems like how could an, an atheist kind of take upon that and go like, see, here's a god that promotes violence yeah. and evil and hatred, and this whole idea of holy war, which you know, even the Islamic uh, sect, you know, not not the religion as a whole but there's a whole sect just like there is in christianity of just just these war hawks yep. and they use holy scripture as a justification mm-hmm. for violence and, yeah. and evil the crusades in the middle ages yep. they were absolutely sort of a, an attempt to bring god's kingdom through violence yeah yeah and they use the bible to justify yeah. that yep. and so even a cursory reading of joshua provokes those kind of questions and and it just can cause confusion and anger and and even for people to go like this is why i'm i I stopped reading the bible this is why i've given up on god this is why i don't go to church because what is this like why would a god good god send his people to take land that belongs to another nation and why would he you know why would he use violence and conquest right this is these are the very things that we can't stand today colonialism and and Mm -hmm. genocide and i mean you think of like all the like Russia and Ukraine and yeah. all the people praying for Ukraine because it's just senseless killing and murder. Um, so that's the, that's, that's so the, what do we do about that? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> this, yeah. this one, I, I think, let me just process out loud and then we could, well, maybe we'll get there. I, I think first of all, well, let me start here. Um, I'm constantly reading like half a dozen books at a time. And one of the books that I'm reading, I, I'm actually rereading. I'm a history buff. And one of the books that I'm reading is 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 called uh, The Trojan War by Barry Strauss. He's a, I, I like him as a historian, as an author. And so the, uh, he writes about Troy, you know, did it really happen, all this kind of stuff. But he describes the Bronze Era. And reading that book has... Uh, almost kind of in a sideways kind of way has helped because some of the things and Joshua and those stories happened around that okay. that time and era too. But the way they wrote literature hmm. and the way that they um, um, that they describe things and even just the nature of war back then, you know, because these days like war we 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 could we could 
conduct war through do- drones. Now, yeah. Right. Yeah. But Sitting he, behind a computer screen. Yeah. I mean, even if you've seen like, or, or what's that movie with Tom, uh, uh, portraying, uh, D-Day, Normandy. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I've not seen that, but from what I hear, especially people who've been through that, mm-hmm. World War II veterans, like it triggers them yeah. because it's just so real. And I can't even imagine warfare like yeah. being like that. Like how, how do you jump out of the ship and onto a beach? While you're just being raked yeah. by machine guns. Yeah. Like you know you're going to die. Yeah. Like it just seems so barbaric. And here's the other thing too. Uh, war in the in the Bronze Age was just so barbaric, and um, the uh, and the the belief in many gods back then, um, it it was. And again, we'll we'll go further than this. This isn't ju- justification for why J- Joshua did this, but that you you literally like you you raped and killed like be- because. Uh, women, children—they were all considered property. Mm. So you, you, you like, you devastated, mm. and, and you like killed off like entire cities. And so when they talk about like in, in the Trojan War, Achilles, like yeah, he he ransacked and devastated, like killed like twenty-three different cities. You know, mm. the other thing that was interesting too is just how literature back then, how how much they exaggerated things. Okay. So, you know, they're like, oh, hell in the face that launched a thousand ships. Right. And then historically, like, ah, it's probably maybe, maybe 200 ships. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but there, there was, a, there was a political power play that was going on, right? Because you wrote for kind of public relations. Okay. And so you, you, and, and even, so you want to write in a way that kind of like you, you kind of puffed up your chest. Mm. And it's like, yeah, we launch a thousand ships, what, whatever the reality is. And so at least from historical, so reading that book while I was considering this during the last few weeks, I was like, oh, huh, this is, and then realizing, oh yeah, the book of Joshua happens right around that whole time of, of the Bronze Era. Yeah, it's almost like saying that someone reading those stories from that era, and again, we talked about this at mm-hmm. several points during this season, which is that there's a cultural context that you need to understand for the Old Testament, which yeah. is what you're saying. But people reading that would actually not read those passages as exceptionally barbaric. Right. They will read them kind of like, oh, I mean, well, yeah, well, that's how war goes. Like yeah, that, yeah. it would be like someone explaining to us about like, you know, what, what sort of a political summit is like, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Nothing got done. Well, that's just how it goes. You know, for them, it's like, yeah, war is you kill everyone and everything. Yeah. You try to wipe a civilization off the earth. Like that's not, that wasn't extraordinarily violent. It just was right. not an excuse. Yeah. I'm just saying th- that would not have been an necessarily an alarming passage for people right. to read as it is for us in our present day. Yep. And I, I, I would just say, so then when it offends our modern sensibilities, Maybe it's less so the Bible as much as it was, you know, uh, that that time and era. Mm. Um, so l- let's just at least be clear about that. That that in fact, and we've talked about this at different points. That uh, Scripture and God's narrative is, is in the midst of those civilizations. Um, try it, it, the the story. The, the work God is doing is to to redeem mm. some of those cultural realities. Mm. And so, you know, he he comes in the midst of, he incarnates himself in the midst of that culture, and what does it look like to redeem that? You know, we talked about that with the, uh, about women and the New Testament and all that, and a, a, a whole bunch of different issues, slavery and things like that. 
So I think when you don't take a careful reading of scripture, it's easy just to think, oh yeah, the Bible promotes slavery, promotes uh, unjustified holy war, genocide, and things like that. We haven't even gotten started. That was just my side kind of like, <laughs> that, that was just reading that one book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to scripture, I think one thing we need to understand is um, we often zero in on this incident. And the Bible actually tells a unified story and like all stories, you can't just jump in the middle mm. without like misunderstanding what's going on. It's it's kind of like walking to the middle of a of a movie, an yeah. action movie, and, and you you can't figure out what's going on. Right. So, um, here's God. He he, you know, makes heaven and earth, and he creates humanity. Humanity rebels. He chooses one man, Abraham, uh, that we talked about last week, uh, who becomes the father of the faith. And so, like. Um, at, you know, eventually the, the Israelites get um, enslaved by the Egyptians. God raises this man up called Moses, and he leads them out of Egypt into the promised land. I just went through the first five books of the Bible mm. in like <laughs> 20 <laughs> seconds. And, and so here, so this is where this comes. So the land that, they, the, that God promises um, his people is filled with other people who didn't want to leave, who mm. occupied the land. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you can't um, you can't really relate this to kind of like Native American First Nations folks because that's that's the other thing people say like oh you know mm. the Jews just kind of colonized okay them. but um, and so this is where the book confuses uh, um, like how does the killing of the Canaanites or, or the people who lived in the Promised Land fit in with Israel's calling to be God's kingdom, uh, 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 priests of belie- priesthood of believers, or to be this nation that will bless all the other nations. Yeah, because specifically, it's more than like in the new now in the new covenant, it's not a specific nation that's called to be a blessing. It's His people, right? But in the Hebrew scriptures, it was a nation. Yeah, um, more than just the people, it was it was an entire nation. And so, um, we'll come back to that. Uh, any comments so far? No, nope. I'm, I'm kind of unrolling this. Yeah, no, let's keep going. Okay. Now, now you look at the Canaanites, and I've heard some, and not so great. You know, like, well, okay, so the Canaanites aren't uh, like they're not necessarily evil people, right? But I will say, in bronze times, people were pretty barbaric. Barbaric. But it's um, at the, yeah, and in fact, uh, some of their practices. Uh, in Canaan, and you actually see this in the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, is uh, it, it, it has like details of some of their practices. Like um, they would worship idols. They had taboo sexual acts as part of their rituals. They would sacrifice children to the Canaanite gods. I wonder if that has any connection with last week's p- episode. Oh, with Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. And so child sacrifice was a regular practice of the Canaanites. And uh, so and so the thing that's interesting is God makes it clear to the Israelites, so unlike the um, the Crusades, that they are going to take this land not because of that you're righteous or you, you are special in any way, you're going to, you are going to take possession of this land, not because you're good, but because of the wickedness of these nations. Mm. Okay. So again, we haven't landed there. So Israel's mission is, is, is pretty clear as they occupy this land, 
they are not, because of God's call on them, they're not to be influenced by the wicked practices of the Canaanites. Um, so, um, so this is where, historically, Christians have taken this idea and said, well, now we're justified to colonize yeah. the earth. Yeah. Um, so the conquest was more about ending the Canaanites' religious and cultural practices more so than ending their lives. The other thing that's really interesting, and, and maybe I'll jump forward, uh, tease teaser, and then come back to this. Um, uh, and again, this is Bronze Age literary style. It says, you know, it, it'll say in, in different places, you know, they, all these people were, were killed. Yeah. But you'll actually see, and you'll probably remember just from reading scripture, like, uh, they weren't all killed because the Canaanites were still in the land. Like the Israelites still had to drive them out. And sometimes God would say, you didn't completely drive them out. Right. You right. didn't possess the land. You, you didn't fully obey mm -hmm. my command. So uh, again, like, uh, so, um, so uh, does this solve the answers? No, Let, let's, he, let's keep going. So one author, one theologian named John Walton, he has a series of books, uh, uh, in Genesis, um, he talks about how Israel's invasion was more about the dismantling of uh, the, this community called the Canaanites. Um, and, and he compares it to the, um, and, and this is not a great time to talk about this because, you know, Russia and Ukraine, but, but like World War II, where the Allies set out, what, what the Allies set out to do during World War II, which was they were on a mission to end the Nazi regime. Yeah. But that didn't mean they had to kill every German. Right. So the, the battles in the book of Joshua were not just like one ancient tribe using violence to displace another ancient tribe. Um, but, God, uh, it, you know, it wasn't like just they're using God's name to underwrite like their own territorial agenda. Mm. So, it's not so it's not political, cultural, or any of that. Rather, you know, um, God... God, God trying to establish Israel as a nation, just like he established Abraham as, a, as the father of faith, to, uh, um, I want to say cleanse the land, but that has kind of connotations. It's not like ethnic, ethnic cleansing, right. but uh, uh, of some of the practices and, and the dark you know, practices of, of the Canaanites. So, um, so that's one thing to understand. Um, I think the other so some things to understand about some of these battles. Um, a lot of the, a lot of times when the uh, got like J uh, Joshua um, fights against Jericho, mm -hmm. and we you sing that song in Sunday school, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Yeah. For people that aren't familiar with the story, Jericho was a walled city. Instead of taking it the way that military sort of strategists would normally do it. God had the Israelites march around the city, <laughs> and then they gave. Then they shouted, and the walls came down, and then they waltzed their way in. Yeah, and killed everybody. Is that is that? Well, yeah, what it says. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and then this is where we imagine Jericho. At least I do. Like, like, man, it's a sprawling city with schools and businesses and and homes and all, all this kind of stuff. But actually, um, a lot of the a lot of the places that were taken over were actually military outposts, mm. not these full-fledged cities. And so, um, who, uh, who is, uh, I think this is a quote from John Walton. 
Um, but um, I wrote this down. The cities Israel takes out are military strongholds, not civilian population centers. So when Israel, quote-unquote, utterly destroys a city like Jericho or Ai, we should picture a military fort being taken over, not a civilian massacre. God is pulling down the Great Wall of China. Uh, God is pulling down the Great Wall of China, not demol- demolishing Beijing. Um, Israel is taking out the Pentagon, not New York City. Now, again, clues, okay? Yeah. Not answers. Um, I have a couple more, but you want to make any comments or thoughts? I don't so know. Far? I mean, I, I the question that continues to be in my mind is like, what what is the difference between yeah. sort of redeeming a culture versus sort of like cultural genocide. Like how, you know, I, I, I get on one hand, I get that there is more to it. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I get that sort of culturally what was happening was not out far outside the norm in terms of violence or anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, the question, and I think for our listeners too, the question is still going to remain you know and for me too yeah which <laughs> which again is part it's kind of like well we don't know we don't we don't know we yeah. don't know but it is helpful to again r- consider alternative or perhaps more nuanced explanations of some of these yeah, things yeah yeah so let me just go on with a uh, a few more things some some of these i kind of alluded to but um, much of the language of conquest in the old uh, in the hebrew scriptures uh, ag- actually when you read like uh, uh, two examples, Exodus 23, 27 to 30, or Deuteronomy 9, 1, um, the language of dispossessing um, and driving out the people, uh, which is not so much like killing and conquering. And so this is, the language that's used is more the uh, language of exile, um, not, not necessarily destruction. And, and so the conquest was less like a massacre as much as dismantling you know, uh, again, we talked about that. And when you read it, too, like, what, when, when you read the, the command, it seems like, okay, there was nobody left alive. Because mm-hmm. it says that. Um, but a few chapters later, like, when Israelites go to other cities or they settle in the land of Canaan, like, over and over, generations and generations, like, God rebukes the Israelites for not driving out mm. the Canaanites. And, and again, that could be, and I haven't looked into this, like, it could be physical driving out, but it's also cultural and spiritual driving yeah. out. You need to dispossess and, and cleanse your heart, your lives, from some of the influence of this. And in this case, maybe it meant um, driving out from the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, and, and uh, again, some of the, conventions of ancient battle narratives right like uh and this is not just in the bible but you hear phrases nothing was left alive that breathes and everything was totally destroyed and uh and just because the text says those things uh doesn't mean that uh again the way that they wrote when we think of historical writing today we think of accuracy yeah that is paramount yeah um, and this is even for me really hard to understand. Like back then, that wasn't the point. Uh, again, uh, or uh, here was an example. Like they 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 would use battle idioms. Mm. So we say things like, "Well, it, it's raining cats and dogs." Well, it's not really raining cats and dogs. Um, and so, uh, like here's an example. Let me see. Second Kings. So it tells the story of uh, a Syrian invasion of Israel. 
and somehow Assyria got turned back after a miraculous defeat after they uh, besieged Jerusalem. Archaeology reveals that the Assyrian king uh, goes back, and, and what's written down is that he just shut up Jerusalem like a caged bird, mm. you know, because it was a public relations management. Interesting. So there's two different perspectives on the same story. Right. So he gets defeated, yeah. can't take over Jerusalem, and he just says, yeah, I just shut them down, but, but you know, like a caged bird. And, and that's all, you know, that's the, the, the siege. Mm. But, um, and so that, that's, so, and that was evident in reading the book about the Trojan War. And, and, right. and the convention, the conventions of exaggeration. And so here's an example. I, I, I wrote a couple down like, um, oh, okay. So it, it's both the exaggeration that's used, like hyperbolic, it's, it's like hyperbolic trash talk mm-hmm. and the rhetorical like bravado. Um, yeah. So like, does that. Now, let, 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 let me pause there again. Does that still answer? No. Is there still head scratching? Yes. Yeah, I think the other thing that it raises, and I think we talked about this in earlier episodes as well, is that in some ways it it encourages us to do more than just literally read the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That there are really clear cultural um, sort of realities that need to be accounted for. Yeah. Like if you see, so if you see that the Assyrian king described the battle one way and the Old Testament, the Israelites describe it another way, it's, it's not even necessarily that one is lying and one is telling the truth, right. but more understanding it the way we understand political posturing or whatever now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think that's I think that's helpful. Again, it doesn't solve everything, but it is a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, well, let me let me float this out there because I, I thought of this also. You know, one of the things you said at the beginning was, "Oh, I wonder if this relates back to um, Abraham and Isaac from last week," and that has got me thinking. You know, one of the things that we believe about the Bible and about God is that redemption is is sort of the narrative arc. Right. And so in some ways you can look at those things like, you know, um, God sort of redeems the, the obedience of Abraham mm-hmm. and sort of takes what was normal in that culture— child sacrifice mm-hmm. and redeems it and says, actually, look, you don't have to do that. I'm providing a ram. There's a redemption element there. Mm-hmm. In addition to all the parallels of, of Jesus that we talked about, yep. you, you look in some ways at what was normal, incredibly violent uh, and destructive war practices. Mm-hmm. And God is in a sense redeeming that as well. You know, it's not merely about conquering so that the Israelites can have more. It's about ending the, these religious and cultural practices that were really barbaric and horrific. Again, you can, you can see it that way as a bit as redemption. And again, there's the question, well, why didn't he redeem it all the ways so that war wasn't necessary? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But in as much as 
maybe people were able to accept it, he offered a redemptive way to wage war. I don't. I mean, that's a that's a bit of a stretch, but it, <laughs> but again, like it, you, you can think of it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. As you were saying that, uh, I remembered what I thought of, and what you said also reminded me of something else, which was uh, the the Israelites had just uh, escaped Egypt. Yeah. And so, as a nation, I mean, almost imagine them kind of coming out of the birth canal mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just learning to like they're they're just an infant. And when you think of how you raise an infant and some of the boundaries and guards you put in, let's say with a toddler yeah. versus a teenager, yeah, right. Like, yeah, there are some things as little as elementary school kids where we, we just say, nope, you can't do that. It's wrong, or, or we just have to, you know clear out certain things yeah and as a teenager there's there's uh, a bit i mean you kind of take a, a step back you, you know you're, you're more um coach guide mentor mm-hmm. and less like very strict on things i wonder because i do uh, you know there is this uh, even as a nation even as a nation a, a free nation after 400 years of slavery mm-hmm. like you don't just go from uh, an enslaved people to somebody like you know, like a nation like the United States. Right. You have to go through right. stages of evolution. It's, yeah, it's interesting to look at these sections of the Old Testament as like Israel's redemption story yeah. in some ways, where you're saying like, look, I mean, again, when I think back to my own immaturity, I did things that felt right at the time and probably were. Looking back, were there better ways to, you know, whatever, engage in relationships or read the Bible Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But at that time in my life, at my stage of maturity, it reflected a pretty significant step forward yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that looking back at that, I'm like, oh, well, that was a waste. Right, no, right. at that time, at that moment, it represented a step forward towards who God wanted me to be. And uh, and But it was just a step. It was the first of many. And so it is interesting, again, to look at this and say, are we seeing, like you said, the, the very beginnings of, of God's redemption of Israel? Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, these baby steps <laughs> aren't very glamorous, and they are certainly, we know a lot more now than we did, you know, than they did then about, uh, you know, a lot of things. But Baby steps are baby steps. And at that stage, maybe you had to drive out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Canaanites. Just like, uh, as you mentioned that, I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast too, or, or like, you know, as a teenager, I, I was like into all that glam rock and, and like just heavy metal, just loved it. The more satanic, the better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> literally, oh, you man. know, pentagrams and, you know, all, all that. And, and when I first became a Christian, mm. and I'm going to use the language of, of Joshua, I had to dispossess mm. my hundreds of CDs yeah. of quote-unquote secular music, yeah. right? Like, because just, I mean, it, it, was, it, it, was a, it was symbolic, and it was this stage of my faith where it was... Uh, it had such a heavy influence on yeah. me during my teenage years. Now, I mean, yeah, I listen to anything and everything, <laughs> and I, I and listen- it doesn't have the power no. over you that it that it yeah. that it did at that and, time. And I still I, I listen to those very same songs now, you know, decades later, and, uh, and just to say that too, and and we have to understand when the Bible is written, it's written f- it's um it's from a uh, anthropological perspective. Mm. So that, you know, because some people say, well, the Bible says that the sun rises and sun sets. Yes, because it's not like this 
because because it's it's written by humans, yeah. revealed by God, but it's from uh, humanity's perspective. Yeah. yeah, and so given the cultural realities back then, the the norms of and conventions of warfare, the evolution of the nation, um, uh, because what, what's that saying? Like you could you could you you could um, you could take uh, you you could you could take Israel out of Egypt, mm. right? But uh, like taking Egypt out of Israel is a totally different thing. It's a whole journey, yeah. Right, and, and that's true of anything when you experience going from slavery to freedom. Yeah, and so, and, and these are questions we're asking. D- d- does that mean? Yeah, like it's really. I mean, again, I, it's it really it really is. I love that you're sort of broadening the way that we think about this because if you imagine a, a people group coming out of slavery, it's true that they have some culture and some sense of who they are and how they do things. But that's within an extremely boundaried context. Yeah. And as they step out of that, the fact that God put really clear like lines in place to sort of keep their developing culture unsullied, it's like, okay, I mean, in that that makes sense. It doesn't solve all the problems, <laughs> right. but it certainly is different than simply saying God just wanted to kill everybody else. Yeah, and, and then just a reminder too, like it, it's God's instrument of redemption is no longer the nation of Israel. Right. It, it, it's, it's the people of God. And so that, that's another thing to understand. God was establishing a nation to, uh, which required land to, to be a blessing to the other nations mm. in the new Testament. It, it's not whether you're Israelite or not. It's whether you're, you know, uh, the, the work of the spirit has come upon you and you've repented. And it's, it's a people of God. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. And so it's less about God establishing a nation mm. as much as now we as a people are to be a blessing. Yeah. And so when, pe- when Christians or other religious folks want to say, yeah, we want to reclaim this land, you know, whatever. Uh, I was going to say a phrase, but maybe that'd be too tricking for some people. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it's the wrong way to interpret scripture. Mm. Um, and, and the nation of Israel over hundreds of years had grown. Right. And, and, and moved past that. And in yeah. some ways it's people saying like, hey, we need to go back to taking baby steps. And it's like, well, no, actually you don't. Like, that's yeah. actually not what we should do right yep. now. Yeah. That's a lot to chew on. Yeah. Man. Well, chew on that. If you you have if you have any good thoughts and answers, let us know. 734-709-5742. That is my um, cell phone. Please text. Uh, don't call. Uh, I get a lot of you know you know who calls me more than anybody else next to my wife. Who? Um, spam likely. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Spam likely. <laughs> Mr. Spam likely. On the phone all the time. <laughs> but uh, come on, Mr. Likely, get your life together. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And again, if this raises additional questions for you, like we're exploring this and we would love to know what what thoughts it brings up in your mind. Even we would be happy to revisit any of the issues that we've already tackled if you have a good question or or uh, or you want to dive into it deeper. So, again, Mm -hmm. thanks for being with us. We look forward to uh, you joining us again uh, next week here on Rhythms of Grace. I got to go to the restroom. See ya. (laughs) 